This is the Jump Pass brought to you by the Titan Upload Network. I am your host, Ryan. And if you're a first-time listener, the Jump Pass is about all things Tennessee Titans football. So if you like the Titans or if you like the NFL in general, welcome. I will be bringing in nothing but the facts, nothing but the hardcore facts, and I'm an honest guy. But in today's, in this episode here, we're going to talk about the Titans Got a GM, and I'm very, very proud of Amy and the entire process of getting the GM job solidified. And I am very, very happy of the decision that she made. Whether Mike Frable had any say, I'm not sure. I'm assuming he did not because I, I was assuming that Mike Vrabel was going to get a, you know, like they were going to do like a second interview and he was going to be a part of the process. But I don't think he was a part of the process. But honestly, um, I'm very happy with the decision that Amy Adams Shrunk made in getting Rand Cardone as the new general manager of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, nothing against Ryan Colden. I didn't think Ryan Colden was the right fit in this case because I wanted the Titans to kind of go you know, get out of their comfort zone. I think Ryan Colden would have been the safe choice, would have been the more com- comfortable choice because of his affiliation with the organization already, already knowing the organization. I wanted Amy to kind of take a chance. And I think this is exactly what I was talking about in regards of taking chances. And, you know, one other thing that have to mention this as an African American male, as a podcast content creator, it brings me great joy just to see minorities, black men or black women, getting into high power positions, leadership positions, and being able to, you know, make decisions, you know, in regards of sports, in regards of a football team. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think, you know, you know, it's just really, really good to see African-American people getting into these leadership roles and making decisions. Also, you know, another shout out to Amy. She did, you know, she did a great job and basically she didn't rush the process. I didn't think she rushed the, pro- uh, the process. I thought she did a great job in thoroughly researching making her decisions, you know, getting the interviews out. She, I mean, it was about eight people in consideration and half of them were African-American. So she, you know, diversified her, her, her research. So I I really think she did a really good job in, in making a a sound decision. Uh, Didn't rush into it. And she felt like she made the right decision. I feel like she made the right decision. And, you know, this is a new era of Titans football. Now, I will say this about Rand, Rand Cardone. Um, he will, he does have some big shoes to fill because John Robinson, you can say what you want to about John, you know, especially like the last two or three off seasons where he was pretty underwhelming in, in creating this roster. He left, he left the Titans without having a losing record as a general manager. Now, with Rand Cardone 
have a losing record as general manager? I don't know. But he does have some big shoes to fill. But I do, I am extremely confident that Mr. Cardon is going to rebuild his roster and do what he has to do to get the Titans back on his winning winning ways. So I, I'm very, like I said, I'm very excited about this move. Um, this is this was my number one guy, um, and I've been saying it all along. I said Rand Cardon is my guy, and the reason why I say he, reason why I wanted him as the GM is because of a couple of things. One, he's a former player, so he knows the lo- the NFL locker room. He's familiar with players. Number two. He's been a, he's been a part of different organizations, and then last but not least, he's coming from an organization that is used to winning, having a standard, having an expectation. When you come to an organization like the San Francisco 49ers, there is expectations year in and year out. The 49er faithful do not accept mediocre football. They do not accept less than stellar football because they're, I mean, they're sport, they're a sport fan base, and rightfully so. This is a team that historically has won five Super Bowls. They were the team of the 80s. Fans of that organization are used to winning year in and year out. So those those things, those are some things that I you know, I felt like he fit the description of a guy that has worked his way up to being a GM. So for those who want to know, who is Rand Cardon? So I did my research. Here's basically his resume. So Rand Cardon, born in Arkansas, so he's from the South. So he's I'm pretty sure he's familiar with Tennessee. Um, of course, he's familiar with Tennessee due to the fact that as a player, he went to college at the University of Florida, which is a dumbs down, you know, as a Vols fan. But he's familiar with Southern football and how things are, you know, how things are done in the South. So he played at Florida. He played under, um, you know, Steve Spurrier and Ron Zook in that that spread out offense that he was in. And then – as an undrafted player, another thumbs down. And the reason why I say it's a thumbs down as an NFL player, because he played for the Colts. But, you know, he played for the Colts from 2004, 2006. He was undrafted, um, playing for the, you know, coming out of college. But he played for uh, for the Colts for a couple of years. Uh, I believe he tried to, you know, he was in the practice squad for the Detroit Lions, and then he ended up retiring. So not much of an NFL career, but again, he made it in the league. He got in there. He, you know, he contributed, you know, in the league. And that's all you can really ask for. You know, everybody's not going to have a 10 to 15 year career. That would be a blessing if you do. So, but as long as you, you know, get that, you know, that feel of being with a pro team, that's all you can really ask for at minimum. So. You know, he retired in 2006, and then once he retired, then he started to get into the executive role. So in 2008, he was a pro scout for the Atlanta Falcons from 2008 to 2011. 
And that was the year where Matt Ryan uh, first got drafted back in 08. And then in 2011 or 2010, they get Julio Jones. And then basically he was a contributor. I'm talking about uh, Mr. Rand Cardinal. He was a contributor of ushering in Atlanta Falcons football, which, well, Atlanta Falcons want to admit this or not, that is the most that is the most successful brand of football they had in their franchise history once they drafted Matt Ryan. Afterwards, he goes ahead and he gets basically gets hired in 2012 as a director of player personnel for the St. Louis slash LA Rams. During that during that span for four years, 2012 to 2016, you end up getting a couple of players such as um Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald. Not bad, right? Now, of course, he wasn't GM, but when you're in the front office, I always say everybody plays a role in getting players in the roster. Now, the GM is kind of more like the closer, but there's other factors in getting players, getting the right kind of players to fit the organization. So I'm going to give Rand Cardon the credit that he deserves on that. And then in 2017, along with John Lynch, he gets hired to be the director of pro personnel. And he was at that role from 2017 to 2020. Then he gets promoted to be director of player personnel from 2021 to basically this season. And now he's the Titans general manager. So what that tells me is he paid his dues to get to where he, he's at right now. He, you know, he got promoted basically four times. He got promoted four times in a span of 15 years. I think that's really good. That means he knows football. That means he knows what he's doing. And the only thing I would just want to say is. I will I want Titans fans, that's including myself, to be just a little bit patient. You know, this Titans team doesn't have a lot of holes, but there there is some situations where the Titans need to address some needs, need to figure out who's going to be the quarterback for the 2023 season, who they what they're gonna do with the 11th pick of the draft. Are they gonna keep it? Are they gonna try to trade up? Are they going to try to trade down to get more picks? That's going to, that's going to be a big decision that, that Rand is going to have to think about over the next few months. Another thing is find a way to, uh, to sign and lock up Jeffrey Simmons. He, you know, he deserves a long-term deal. He deserves to be a Tennessee Titan for a long time. So it's definitely some big decisions that the Titans made. The Titans, they're not in that position where they're a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender because you had to address the other needs as well. Got to figure out what you're going to do with the offensive line. So, again, that's later on down the line. But for right now, uh, congratulations to uh, to Rand. Well-deserved. He worked his way to this position. And I am very excited to see what he's going to do with this roster and what his plans are 
And, you know, I'm I'm rooting for him. Of course, I'm going to root for him. He's the general manager of my favorite team. So, of course, I'm going to root for him. But I'm really, I'm really, really, really rooting for him because I feel like he deserves to be in this position that he is right now. So I, it's very exciting for me. For me personally, I think it's in a very, it's a very exciting time to be a Tennessee Titan. And you can be a little bit nervous and you can be excited at the same time. So now that the GM position has been filled. Now we got to figure out who's going to be the offensive coordinator. And to me, this is where I'm a little bit nervous because I have no clue what direction Mike Vrabel, Amy Adams, Strunk, and the new GM, uh, Rand Carter, I'm not sure what direction that the offensive court, what they want in an offensive coordinator. But I will tell you what I'm looking for in an offensive coordinator. I got just a couple of things that I want to say. Well, I'm looking for an offensive coordinator. The number one thing I'm looking for is aggression. B-E aggressive. B-E-A-G-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E. Yes, I just said, yes, I just did a cheerleader. Be aggressive. Sue me. Don't get mad at me. All right. But I need the offensive coordinator to be aggressive. And what I mean by be aggressive, really just simply throw it on first down. The old OC wanted to run the ball on first down. And defenses knew it. Which leads me to my second thing that I want from my offensive coordinator. Unpredictability. I want the offensive coordinator to be unpredictable in their play calling. Keep the defense guessing. Defense thinks you're going to throw it. Now nah, we're going to run it. Defense thinks we're going to run it. Now nah, we're going to pass it. Be unpredictable. If you are, I guarantee if you're unpredictable in your play calling, it creates an efficient offense. Now, I'm not looking for the offensive coordinator so all of a sudden, the Titans turn into being the air raid offense. We've been the air raid offense before. We, you know, we've done the run and shoot back in the 90s. But I'm not asking, like, okay, all of a sudden we're going to throw the ball 50 times. No. I do want the Titans to be more of a balanced attack and not be such a conservative running football team like they've been pretty much their entire existence. So there's just a couple of things that I'm looking for in an offensive coordinator. I don't think that's too much to ask. Now, of course, the Titans going to have to add some pieces. Got to get got to figure out who's going to be in the offensive line because honestly, that whole offensive line needs to be evaluated. Even Ben Jones. I like Ben Jones. But Ben Jones cannot be your best offensive lineman. I do appreciate Ben Jones. I like the fact that Ben Jones stabilizes the offensive line. But he can't be your he can't be your best offensive lineman, though. So we need to evaluate the entire offensive line. Is Nicholas Petit Fierre, is he really the right guy at right tackle? Don't know. Nate Davis, he's a pending free agent. Who's gonna play left tackle? I mean, Dennis Daly was so bad, I would take. Taylor LeJuan back. 
if the price is right. I would take him back immediately. Aaron Brewer cannot play left guard. So you got to figure it out. And where does Dylan Raynes fit in this whole equation? That's another question. Do the Titans go at offensive line? We'll talk about that later on um, once, the, once we get closer to the draft. But what I'm looking for in the offensive coordinator is just simply be consistent. Be consistent, be aggressive, be unpredictable. So that's all I'm asking for. And I know that the Titans have interviewed or is interested in Matt Nagy. Not the biggest Matt Nagy fan, just keeping it real. Matt Nagy had to give away his play calls twice when he was with the Chicago Bears. Now, that's Andy Reid's guy. Andy Reid loved Matt Nagy. He can keep Matt Nagy. He got Matt Nagy in his staff. He can promote him back to offensive coordinator. As if Eric Enemy, another guy, uh, another person that the Titans have interviewed or in, you know, thinking about getting Eric Enemy. My only concern is how much input does he have in that Kansas City offense? Because it's definitely an Andy Reid offense. But how much does he have? How much contribution does he have in that offense? That's a concern of mine. That's really my only concern. If he had a you know a little bit of uh, contribution to it, I'm confident in. It. I'm confident in that move. Then, if he has zero contribution, then that's a red flag to me. That's a little bit of a red flag. And one more thing that I wanted to mention, um, I just thought about this in regards to what I'm looking for in office coordinator. Um, not. If the goal is to be better than Todd Downing, then the Titans made the wrong move at will make the wrong move at offensive coordinator. Being better than Todd Downing is that should be the least of your words. I think there's people that's on Twitter, that's on Facebook, that's in the Titans organization, maybe even me, can call better plays than Todd Downing. So I don't think that should be the goal. The goal should not be, okay, we just need to get somebody that's just better than Ty Downing. You, I want somebody that's going to be five to ten times better than Ty Downing. I want an offensive coordinator that can have a top ten offense. It would be refreshing that the Titans can have a year where they have a top ten offense and a top ten defense. It seems like every year we are – Plan is, all right, who are we going to lean on this year? I mean, this past year was really the defense. 2021, mainly the defense. 2020, the offense. 2019, kind of sort of the offense. I mean, half of the year we were relying on the defense in 2019. Once they made the switch at quarterback, defense kind of struggled a little bit during the season. And then the Titans relied on the offense. So I I would like to have a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense for the 2023 season. Of course, like I said, the 2023 season is such a long way from now, but that's just kind of one of the goals. Have a complete roster that can be dangerous on both sides of the ball. But Offensive coordinator, I'm pretty, I'm pretty nervous about it. I'm not sure what direction the Titans want to go with offensive coordinator. And once they make a decision, 
I will let you know. I will let you guys know how I feel about the new OC and if it's a good fit or not. All right. I wanted to talk about um, some free agents. And, you know, of course, you know, I'm going to do one where it's offensive. And then on the next episode, I'm going to do defensive free agents. And then also on the next episode, too, I'm going to let y'all know. Um, I'm giving out letter grades on on the um, basically on all facets of the Titans team, offense, defense, special teams, coaching. That's also going to be in the next episode. So that's a just, you know, getting y'all prepared for the next episode and what I'm going to talk about in the next episode. But I want to talk about some of the offensive free agents, and I'm going to play a quick game. It's called Stay or Go. Basically what that means is, do I think the Titans should keep this player, uh, this player or cut their ties with them and let them go? And I'm not going to do everybody. I'm just going to do a few of the key people that I, you know, you know, that you've seen throughout the entire season and let you know how I feel. All right. So got a few players here that I want to mention. And, you know, I'm going to give you my thoughts on should they stay? Should they go? Starting with Nate Davis. Now, Nate Davis is one of those guys that um, I've been kind of kind of in the middle on, you know what I'm saying? So Nate Davis, I thought last, I mean, this past year, didn't play particularly well, but I'm not going to be too hard on him because the entire line was terrible. The entire offensive line was terrible. So, but he's had his moments. 2019, I thought was, I thought he played well in 2019. I thought 2020, he was up and down. I thought 21. 2021, he's been up and down. This year, I felt like he didn't play all that well. Now, he's a great – I think he's a solid run blocker. But I think that, you know, pass blocking is – got a lot of work to do on that on that front. So, should he stay or should he go? I think now, since Keith Carter has been fired, I think that's been the reason why Nate Davis has struggled, or that's part of the reason why Nate Davis has struggled. I think if they get a better offensive line coach, I think Nate Davis should stay. And I say he should stay based on the fact that the new O-line coach, I'm going into the assumption whoever they hire as the new O-line coach is going to be better than Keith Carter. And I say keep Nate Davis. So we got Nate Davis for me, staying. Next guy I want to talk about is Austin Hooper. I want him to stay, but I think he's going to go. And the reason why is because Austin Hooper is probably wanting to be in a situation where the offense is a little bit more pass-oriented. I thought that Austin Hooper at times was very effective. Um, Unfortunately, um, he had tied down as his play caller. And Austin Hooper couldn't really thrive in the offense. Like I think you could have. I really want him to stay, but then part of me wants him to not come back because Chica Conwo, I think he's gonna be the number one guy, or I think he should be the number one tight end. And I don't think Austin Hooper wants to take a step back and be tight end number two. I think Austin Hooper wants to 
go into an offense that's going to be a little bit more pass happy, a little bit more, you know, throwing the ball a little bit more all, all over the field. I can see him going to a team like Miami because they probably not going to keep Mike Gazeki. So I think that Austin Hooper would be perfect for an offense like the Miami Dolphins. So I say, for me, I I want him to stay, but I think he's going to be gone. That's just my opinion. Now I want to talk about a restricted free agent, Nick Westbrook Aquina. I'm gonna go with go on Nick Westbrook Aquina. I I really don't. I really he to me Nick Westbrook Aquina has done some decent things, but to me I think the Titans can do a whole lot better at wide receiver outside of Traylon Burks. So I think they need to rebuild the receiving core, and keeping Nick Nick Westbrook Aquina is not the option for me. I'm going to say no. I say he, you know, I think they need to cut their ties with Nick Westbrook-Akina. He's a decent guy, but to me, he's just a poor man's Rashad Matthews. And Rashad Matthews did have some decent years with the Titans, but you can, to me, Rashad, you can do better than a Rashad Matthews. And to me, Nick Westbrook-Akina is basically the dad coke version of Rashad Matthews. I'm going with go on Nick Westbrook-Akina. Next guy I'm talking about is Duntrell Hilliard. Duntrell Hilliard, I say he should stay. I think he was, to me, one of the surprise players on his team. When he was healthy, he was very effective. He's very good on third down. He's a very underrated runner as well. I think his versatility is important to this Titans team. And if they're going to have a different offense to where they are going to pass the ball a little bit more, I think Duntrell Hilliard will be a very, very good addition to the offense. So I say stay for Dontrell Hillier. Morgan Cox, I think he should stay as well. Um, the the key is, is he, you know, does he want to keep playing? I think he's 36 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so he's been in the league for a while. He's one of the best, if not the best, long snappers in football. I say stay because... It's hard to find good long snappers. I think it's a very undervalued uh, position. And if you can get a good long snapper for, you know, Ryan Stonehouse uh, and for, you know, kicking field goals and extra points, I think you can, I think you should hold on to them until otherwise. So I say stay for Morgan Fox. Aaron Brewer is a restricted free agent. I've already mentioned that he should not be a Titan. Definitely a go on him. Um, these next couple of guys, and then I'm going to be done. Uh, Dennis Daly, get him the hell off my team. Definitely a go. Jeff Swain, get him the hell off my team. He should go as well. And last but certainly not least, and of course I know some other guys, but I, don't, I really don't care about those guys. Last but certainly not least, everybody's favorite wide receiver, Cody Hollister, restricted free agent. Get him the hell off my team, too. I don't want him on this team either. So I think it should be a go. So I had a couple people going uh, with Stan, uh, Nate Davis, Duntrell Hillier, Morgan Fox. Those are the guys I think that should remain a Tennessee Titan. I think. You know they can they can provide great value to this team uh, going into next year. So those those that's my game of staying and going. I'm gonna do the defense 
next episode. It's going to be very interesting to, you know, you know, I'm going to do my research and I'll let you, you know, in the next episode, I will give you the defensive version of stay or go. Um, and, you know, maybe may a couple of surprises that I might uh, throw out there for you. All right. Time for predictions of the AFC, NFC, NFL playoffs. Now, I was 5-1. and one. Tom Brady screwed me on Monday Night Football. He screwed me. The Buccaneers screwed me. They played like crap. Um, I give a I give credit where credit is due. Shout out to the Cowboys. They won a playoff game. This deck's only their second playoff victory. Congratulations, Deck. You got as many playoff wins as Ryan Tannehill. See if you can go for number three. But let's let's give you my predictions. For the AOC, let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars going against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Jaguars, as everybody in America knows, they came back from 27-0 to beat the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers did Charger. That's what they do. They know how to choke. They know how to lose football games. And they did a, I mean, they found a very brand new way of losing a football game. The Jackson, I will say this, if the Jacksonville Jaguars are down 27-0 against the Chiefs, there won't be no comeback. It's going to be over. It's going to be, you know, we might as well, you know, get prepared for the next the next game on TV because that game is over. But I will say this, I think the Jaguars will keep this close. I think it will be somewhere between one to two scores pretty much the entire football game. I think the Jaguars are going to play very hard. Doug Peterson knows Andy Reid very well. He was part of Andy Reid's staff at Philadelphia. He also was the bagel quarterback in Green Bay when Andy Reid was there. So he knows Andy Reid very well. And Doug Peterson can flat out coach. I think he's going to come up with a game plan to kind of slow down the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think he's going to make it close. But overall, it's going to be too much Patrick Mahomes, too much Travis Kelsey. And I think the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs will do just enough to defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars. So give me the Chiefs. The other AFC game, this is one, this is probably the game that I'm most looking forward to. Um, Cincinnati going against Buffalo, of course, um, the DeMar Hamlin situation kind of put it in the perspective of, you know, this game could have been, you know, Cincinnati could have been playing for the 1C, Buffalo could have been playing for the 1C. You never, I mean, never know, right? But we're going we're gonna to have a great game here. This is a game that I've kind of been up and down on. And I think the key matchup or the key to victory for both teams, I feel like, is whoever runs the football effectively is going to win this football game. Buffalo at times struggles running the football. Cincinnati has a Pro Bowl caliber back in Joe Mixon. And give me... Give me the Cincinnati Bengals. Buffalo has kind of been 
kind of been staggering their way into the playoffs. They've been playing okay, but they've been playing average football heading into the playoffs. They played pretty average against Miami um, with a third-string quarterback. Cincinnati has been playing lights out football. They've been hot over the last couple of months. Give me Cincinnati. I'm going. I'm. I'm picking Cincinnati to beat Buffalo. Joe Burrow kind of has that Tom Brady magic where he doesn't do a whole lot, but his his presence gives his team the advantage over the over their opponent. And that's kind of that Brady magic, that Brady aura, and that's what Joe Burrow kind of kind of reminds me of. So I'm going with the Bengals. Now switching gears to the NFC, I want to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles going against the Giants. Uh, Philly swept the Giants in the regular season. The Giants do have the formula to win these kind of games, where they can run the football. Dane Jones not turn the football over. And that was the reason why they beat the Minnesota Vikings. They ran the ball incredibly well. Dane Jones did not make any mistakes. And as a result, the Giants upset the Vikings. It's, you know, I predicted that. This is a dangerous game if you're a Philadelphia Eagle. Jalen Hurts did not look particularly well in week 18 against the same Giants team. The Giants can do the one thing that Philadelphia, Philadelphia's number one weakness of their entire team is they're not exactly great stopping the run. They can get after the quarterback. Their secondary is really good. And, of course, you know what they can do on offense. But the one thing that they kind of sort of been inconsistent on is stopping the run. That's why they picked up uh, Joseph and and. And, and Sue up the middle to kind of beef up the middle because they've been they've been getting you know they've been getting exposed a little bit stopping the run. But I'm going with the safe option and I'm going with the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts is going to make one or two plays to take his team over the top, and I think the Eagles will will cause at least one turnover. Of Daniel Jones. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to have the 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 time to make decisions in the pocket like he did against the Vikings defense because the Eagles defense can get after the quarterback better than any team in the National Football League and I think the Giants are going to struggle, you know, in pass protection and that's going to cause Daniel Jones to make some mistakes. So give me the Eagles in this matchup here to go 3 and 0 against the Giants. And then last but not least, you know, basically two teams who have probably arguably the most annoying fan bases in the National Football League in the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. This is actually going to be a really good game. Um, but give me the 49ers. Uh, 49ers, there is some concern on their defense. Uh, you know, they had a, you know, they had their issue stopping the run, stopping Kenneth Walker in the Seattle Seahawks running game at times. And the Cowboys can run the football. They got Ezekiel Elliott. They got Tony Pollard. To me, though, the biggest difference is the Buccaneers couldn't really get out the deck the way I thought they could. The 49ers 
have the pieces on defense to get after the quarterback. And I think that that's going to be the difference. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to come down to a field goal. And if it comes down to a field goal, the Cowboys, the way that Brett Marhart kicked the ball against Tampa Bay, I've never seen a kicker miss four extra points before. I don't think it's ever happened, or if it has happened, it's probably when television was black and white because I have never seen it before. So if it comes down to field goal kicking, I trust the Niners. I trust Robbie Gold way more than I trust Brett Maher right now. So give me the Niners by one score to go into the NFC Championship game to to face the Philadelphia Eagles. And then on the AFC side, I got the Kansas City Chiefs facing off against Cincinnati. The rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. That's my final four. Let me know what y'all think. If I'm, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's just picking games. I'm just having fun with it. All right, y'all. So that would conclude this episode of the Jump Pass. Thank y'all for listening in for about 40 minutes. And let me know what y'all think about the GM hire. Is it a good move? Is it a bad move? Did Amy, uh, you know, made the right decision? Should she waited a little bit longer? Let me know what y'all think who the uh, office of coordinator should be as well. But until next time, peace, love, do one thing for me, tighten up. Y'all have a safe day. <laughs>